Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Downfield, pop over the five, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked up. That's picked up. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Goes up to the head. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's going. Derek Brooks on the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. And then the cannons go. Fire him. Keep on firing him. Keep on firing him. 39 to 37, your final score from NRG Stadium in Houston as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall short in a shootout game that nobody saw coming against the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud, almost 500 total yards through the air and a game-winning drive in 46 seconds that uh, this defense should have been prepared for. So we are going to try our best to break down everything that we just witnessed over the last three hours or so on a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host for today, filling in for the missing Evan Wanish, Mr. Bucks Nation, James Hill, is here. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. That is an incredibly disappointing way to go as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall to 3-5 and five on the season in a game that was deceptively close. Is that a way to put it? I mean, for a while, it seemed like this was the best we had seen the Buccaneers operate in over a month. Three straight losses have now snowballed into a month straight of losing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The defense today was a conversation entirely in itself. We'll get to that eventually. But the offense... Rashad White, the run game, the short passing game. While there wasn't a lot of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, we saw what this offense looks like in the first half when everybody is somewhat competent. The play calling was not bad. Baker looked great in that first half. I'd argue he looked great all the way until the end of the game. Like I I thought that there were so many things going right for this team in the first half that, you know, there's no way they could fluke this thing away like they did in that second half. And this was the first time all season, all season, nine games into the year. This is the first time that I just didn't trust the Buccaneers defense. We've been saying all along that this is the defense that has kept the Bucs in games. And it's incredible how the offense today can score 37 points on the road and still somehow come up short. I have been rambling. I'm going to ramble a lot more. Plus, we'll be taking your calls as the phones are on 305-224-1968. The meeting ID is on your screen for this week. James, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, personally, the offense played good enough to win. Um, I've seen some people say, like, oh, this game's on. This game's not on Baker Mayfield. This game isn't on the entirety of the Buccaneers offense. They did enough to win. They even had some luck go their way right at the end. Look, the game could have ended whenever Trey Palmer fumbled the football and Mike Evans miraculously recovered it and they scored a touchdown. The offense did enough to win today. You score 37 points on offense, you're going to win most games. Defense gave up 39. CJ Stroud breaks a rookie record for most passing yards in a game. Uh, 30 of 42, 470 yards, five touchdowns, Rhett, no interceptions. Um, He did fumble once from Shaq Barrett, but, you know, um, this is a game that is exactly, you know, it's it's defining for the Bucs. And the definition for the team here is that moving forward, this is, you know, this isn't a team that you can expect to win a lot moving forward. Point blank, expect to win a lot moving forward. Okay. That doesn't say that they can squeak out some wins here and there and probably still finish with seven, eight wins or something like that, but you just choked away another game, four losses in a row. What are you supposed to um, think at this point? Right? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking the bucks are officially at the free fall point of their season because things have to change and they have to change quickly. Just like you said, a passing record an all time rookie record for C.J. Stroud today, and he's looking more and more like he should have been the first overall pick, the best rookie for sure, and we knew it was going to be tough coming into this game. 
we definitely knew that the Texans were going to be a team that isn't going to allow you to think you can beat them as easy as you may have been able to do in previous seasons. But damn, just the way this game unraveled in the second half is probably the most disappointing part because throughout the entirety of this game, you're watching it more and more and you start to think of just how far the Bucks really are from the good teams in the NFC. I, I would say even above average teams in the NFC. There's a lot of average teams in the NFL that'll beat the Bucks on any given Sunday now. I, I, I mean, this is a team that week after week, we have tried to come up with some sort of uh, hope week in and week out that they can figure it out because this is a talented roster with talented players who can make plays like we saw today but they just were not able to put it together. And the defense, again, is going to be the biggest reason the Bucs lost today. I don't want to hear it about Baker Mayfield. I don't want to hear it about this run game. In the second half, we can talk about the play calling because we can talk about the way that things started to unravel in the third quarter. I don't know what happened with Dave Canales and his philosophy after halftime, but the Bucs at one point in this game had a two-possession lead over Houston. You go into halftime with the lead... And what you were doing worked. What you were doing was kind of going back to basics. They hinted at it on the broadcast, going back to what worked against these lesser teams in the first few weeks of the season. Not trying to do too much on the offensive side of the ball, as Dave Canales has put it before. Going back to basics, going back to what works, simplifying these play designs. And again, I think the lack of targets today for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans was a bit of an issue down the stretch but the offense was still doing just enough to keep the Bucs in this game and arguably keep them winning this game three quarters in. Now, in the third quarter, it was it was offensively inept as the Bucs, I think, merely got 17 yards of total offense in that third quarter. Um, so there's no excuse for that. But let's break down some of the top players for Tampa Bay today. Baker Mayfield, will start with the QB. 21 for 30, 266 yards, two touchdowns, plus a potential Game-winning drive to find Kate Otten in the end zone with 46 seconds left to go in the game. With a defense that has played as well as the Bucs have so far this year, even in the losses, that should have been a game-winning touchdown. But unfortunately, the writing was on the wall because as easy as this Bucks defense made it look for C.J. Stroud today, I had zero faith headed into that final drive. I had no faith in this defense whatsoever and again, that's the first time I've been able to say that all year. Jamel Dean leaves the game early with a concussion. Hopefully, he will be back and we'll get some positive updates for you as the week goes on. But Carlton Davis was awful today. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a stretch to say that this was the worst game of his career, but Carlton Davis single-handedly responsible for maybe three of those Houston touchdowns today. Yeah, this might be Carlton Davis's worst game of the year. Um, I don't think that that's a stretch. It, I mean... You look, Houston had three guys go over 100 yards today and a touchdown, just just all of it, you know. Uh, and these aren't world beater guys. It's Noah Brown. It's Tank Dell. It's, you know, I like Nico Collins, um, but like it's Dalton Schultz, you know, it's just, a, you know, and I get it. Like, you know, hey, congrats to them for going off. I'm, you know, that's that's cool. But this was Carlton Davis's worst game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, in my opinion, probably. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the biggest reasons they lost the game today. Zon McCollum, uh, you know, was, was iffy today. Ryan Neal honestly wasn't like in a lot of situations where he looked like I didn't see Ryan Neal a lot on screen. I mean, I know it's like, LOL, Ryan Neal's bad. Um, and I'm sure he did have some bad moments today, but like the one to highlight, the one to highlight is Carlton Davis. He horrible game, probably his worst game as a buck. Got a $5 super chat from our buddy Matt Diaz. He says, when the offense and run game finally show signs of life, we lose because of the defense. Nice. It, it sounds that's, like one of the most fun things to ever happen. That's something bad teams do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, one, the, the Bucks are officially back. We haven't said this on the podcast in a very, very long time, like over three, four years. But the Bucks are officially a team that are finding ways to lose. You had to go out there and find a way to lose this game, especially with as secure of a lead as you had. Now, we have seen a lot of two-possession leads just disintegrate in the NFL because that how it, that's how it happens week in and week out. But there's just no shot, no shot, that with as good as this defense has been all year, 
And just like our buddy Matt said, the offense showing signs of life today. I'll talk about the running backs here in a second, but there's just no excuse. Uh, this team should be absolutely embarrassed. I'm embarrassed as a fan. I, you know, I, I was watching the game with my roommate and I felt terrible. Like I felt like a Debbie Downer because this is my favorite team. I love watching the Bucks. There's, there's, there's few things in life that I love more than watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Even when they're a bad team, I can be mad and still love my team. Everybody knows how that goes. But like I'm watching this game and right around the third quarter, I looked over and I'm like, they're not winning this game. There's this just feels like a loss. And, and James, you know that feeling as well as I do. A lot of Bucks fans who have watched for over four or five seasons know that awful feeling where you're watching a game and something just, it just feels like a loss. I, I mean, they had me fooled. Don't get me wrong. That Kate Otten touchdown was clutch. What a throw by Baker. What a drive. Obviously, the, the range of emotions with the Trey Palmer, the fumble, and then, you know, Mike Evans aligns up with it right around the five-yard line. And then we have the booth review come in, and they got to spend an extra two, three minutes looking at the play to make sure there's no other way they can possibly screw the Bucks out of, uh, you know, coming up with the football there. So I totally understand, but, man. Uh, in the rushing category today, Rashad White, 20 carries for 73 yards, averaging 3.6 yards a tote and two touchdowns today. And it doesn't stop there for him as well. He was a factor in the receiving game for another week in a row. And I guess this is some good we can talk about from the game today as well. Four receptions, 46 yards for Rashad White. So 46 yards through the air, 76 yards on the ground. Math is not my strong suit, but I think that's 119 yards from scrimmage for our buddy Rashad White. And as the weeks go on, he had a season high or a career high in production last week. Got even better this week. The offense finding signs of life, and I think a big part of that is because it looks like they're finally figuring out how to dial in the usage on uh, Rashad White out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, that's been a, a good positive, right, out of all of the losses that they've had in a row now is that, you know, Rashad White's getting used more. It seems like with the switch of Matt Filer, it's it's definitely a, a better opportunity there for the running game, possibly. Maybe that's a permanent switch that's going to stay. Um but yeah, no, good good on Rashad White to get to, you know, just kind of continue to get more warmed up and, and be more of a dynamic, versatile type of back, both as a runner and as a receiver. Um, that's a very good positive. The entire offense, I thought, was was good today. Yeah, 37 points on the road. I mean, when's the last time the Bucks scored 37 points? When's the last time they scored over 30 points? You know what I mean? Like, there was a lot of good on the field for the Bucks today. And it's unfortunate that an all-time disaster in the secondary is is leading to a reaction like this. We should be jumping for joy because the offense scored almost 40 points. I mean, 266 yards passing through the air for Baker Mayfield. Just the effectiveness that they had today when they needed it is important, and it was enough to win, unfortunately, but not enough in the end because of a uh, uh, just a terrible effort by the defense. We got our first call of the show. From the 770, we appreciate you calling in and waiting. Caller, you're on the air. It's all good. Um, Corey from Nashville. Corey, I how are you feeling? Totally. I'm just befuddled, man. Like, like I listened to y'all at the beginning, and we could say so many things positive about the offense scoring 37 points, but the offense is what kept this game in striking distance. And it's not the players, in my opinion. It Canales, man, he has he has no feel for the game, and it shows. And, 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 I mean, that's that's our eighth game played now. And um, the Saints game, I thought he had a really good feel for the game, but today, I mean, I don't understand. Uh, here's my thing. Okay, we're watching the Texans, right? They completely abandoned the run. They weren't running the ball anymore because they had seven yards in the middle of the third quarter. So, with that being said, he's throwing a Tank Dale and Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz. I mean, at some point, we were running the ball fine enough, but we weren't running it well enough to where we have to run it on every single first down. But like, it was – That it, part – Sorry, that Corey, part I, don't mean to, is, I don't mean to cut you off, man. I apologize, but I do want to say this about the run game just before I forget. Like you said, the Bucks were not running the ball well enough today to where they could have leaned on it for the entire game. 
But this offense doesn't need either the pass or the run game to be the best in the league. They just have to be effective in certain scenarios. And today, there were definitely scenarios where you needed to pick up four, five, six yards from Rashad White, and you got that more than you have in weeks past. So again, they weren't perfect, but they were a far cry from just how bad they have been so far this year. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree 100%. But at the end of the day, your team is 3-5. and five. We lost to Desmond Ritter, who lost his job, and we just lost to a rookie who set up a, wrecking day, a wrecking, uh, um, record-breaking day. At that point, it's coaching. I can say everything I can say about the players. We can say whatever we want about Baker. He's still not turning the ball over, which is, which is great. And he made big plays in that, on that last drive. The defense is not responding. They're, they're not responding to Todd Bowles' scheme, to his calls. They're not understanding it. Ryan Neal being left out there on the field again today where he just does not need to be out there. He started that whole downfall. Him by himself in man coverage again gave up a 75-yard touchdown because of his coverage skills are terrible. And that started the whole domino thing. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm going to call back next week, I guess. I just, I'm befuddled. You asked me how I was feeling. Let's just say befuddled. But it's the coaching. It, it's a, we should be 5-3. and three. It's the coaching. I'm with you, Corey. We appreciate you calling in as always, buddy, and uh, good take. We'll talk to you again soon. A fuddle. That's a good word. Yeah, that is a that is a good keyword. I th- maybe that's this week's word of the week. Be fuddled because, I mean, really, how else are you supposed to feel after that loss? Again, we talked about all the good that we can potentially take away from the offense. A season high level of production for a lot of these guys on the offensive side of the ball. Just look at the points scored today. But it's just not enough, and and I am befuddled. Because this is a defense that I have trusted all year. This is a defense that I have consistently trusted and praised much higher than the offense up until this point. I mean, we could argue that through the first eight weeks of football, the Bucs were anchored down by an awful offense who was not effective. They were averaging, what, 12.8 points per game over their last three games before today. So this should help their season average getting 37 points on the road. But you just you come up empty and and befuddled is uh, is right where we are right now. So moving on from the running back conversation, I did want to get your thoughts on what Corey brought up, and that is Dave Canales because we can talk about the execution of the offensive players, we can talk about the way the defense fell apart at the end of the game, but really the unraveling with this team seemingly started in that third quarter where nothing happened, and it seemed like you know seventeen yards in the third quarter from an offense. With a two-possession lead, I, I thought they would recover at least a little bit to hang on in that fourth quarter, but too little too late, and you know they, they lose the game. What do you think of Dave Canales through the first eight games of this season, uh, pretty much at the halfway point? Yeah, it's definitely been up and down, right? There's, been, there's definitely been situations that haven't been great, you know, in terms of... Like in this game, for example, Mike and Chris Godwin, Mike got a little bit more involved in the end and that was good. But, and I will say like the offense did enough to win the game in the end, like at the very end, like you said, that third quarter was bad. They got enough in the fourth quarter to where they were, they were kind of moving the ball and whatnot and scoring some points up on the board. Um, But overall, the overall arching like eight games of Dave Canales so far has been pretty mixed. It's been some good with it. I like the play action. Um, I like, you know, just that kind of aspect of it. I feel like it's been helping a lot. The bad has been with the running game. Now that can be play calling. That can be execution. It's probably a mix of both. Um, Just the inside running hasn't been great. Um, And that's something that I would like to see do better. Right. Um. So overall, it's been a mixed bag so far. I think that there's been some good moments in there for sure, but I feel like there's slightly been, not even slightly, there's been a bit more bad than good. Caller on the Can of Fire podcast. Hello. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? What's your name? Uh, my name is Dane. Dane, what's up, dude? How you feeling? Uh, feeling terrible. Not feeling great. Yeah, I can't blame you. Not feeling great at all, man. But uh, I just kind of wanted to get an input on y'all. Uh, you think it's time to think it's time to get rid of Todd Bowles, man? It's an interesting conversation, and and it's always going to come up 
whenever your team is in free fall mode like this, especially with Todd Bowles, who has seemingly been in the hot seat for over a year in a lot of people's eyes. You know, I, I think a lot of people through the court of public opinion are going to be quick to want to wanna exercise Todd Bowles this week. And I, I think he should take a huge chunk of the blame for this loss. Like we talk about the execution. We talked about the defense, but I mean, allowing a team to just crawl back into the game as consistently as they did today, that's on coaching 100%. But 100%, agree, agree. I, I have a gut feeling that Bowles is going to survive this season. Now, if the Bucks go on to lose every single game for the rest of the year, or if they only win one or two more, I, I think maybe they could look at trying to blow this thing up. But but I honestly think, like, with the situation the Bucks found themselves in, solely because of, you know, the, the cap hell that they had to dig themselves out of, moving on from a lot of the talent, finding a new quarterback, which is always a gamble, you know, relying on a lot of these younger guys on the team. I just, I I, I think the, the Glazers are going to be a little bit more patient with Bulls. My gut says that even after this loss, I think he's okay. But James, what do you think of Todd Bowles and, and where he is as far as how close he is to the hot seat? Yeah, I mean, I think this obviously makes the seat a little bit hotter. They're not going to fire Todd Bowles like midseason. Um, I don't I don't even think they're going to fire anybody midseason right now. Um at, at this point um i understand like the the thoughts for it you know like i think adam said in the chat um you know i don't know how bulls survives this loss and it's an ugly loss right ugly ugly oh. ugly loss and it's what their fourth one in a row right yeah um yep. but for me um i've never seen the glaciers fire somebody mid-season um and it, i just don't think it's going to be something they do um now at the end of the season red i am going to disagree with you a little bit here um i think depending on how the situation goes they could fire him depending on if they win like what you said if they're winning six games five or six games on the year i think that that would be something that they would heavily consider and i think that'd be the you know a right thing to consider um it all depends on how the rest of this year goes. And right now it's trending downward in a yeah. big, big way. I mean, it is it is getting worse week in and week out, and we haven't been able to say that for a long time. But but let me offer you, the, offer you this rebuttal on the Todd Bowles thing. And this is just mm. the perspective that I think is, is important that not a lot of people look at. You know, a lot of people look at this as his second season as head coach, his, what, fourth or fifth season in Tampa Bay altogether. But this was his first season to put together the staff that he wanted to put together because him being right. announced as head coach last year was kind of a last-minute fumble of the bag by Tampa Bay. I think everyone expected Bruce Arians to come back. And then as soon as he's out, Todd Bowles has got to step up as head coach, but he doesn't get to pick his staff. He doesn't get to pick his offensive coordinator. It seems like maybe it's a last-minute decision on just running with co-defensive coordinators and Larry Foote and Casey Rogers, you know, who have been fine with Bowles still being most of the mastermind behind that defense. But... I just think this is the first year he put his staff together. This is the first year without Tom Brady, which is that much less pressure in itself. And this is the first year where Bowles is going to really be able to evaluate talent a little bit closer and fine-tune this team. And that's why I think the leash is a little bit longer than most people would like to think. I, I think Todd Bowles uh, hasn't been the best coach in the world. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here defending him or singing his praises but I do think his leash is a little bit longer than uh, than most people would let on. But, Dane, hopefully we answered your question, buddy. we got to move on to some of these other calls. All right, man. Appreciate it. You guys take care. You too, Thanks, buddy. Man. Good luck. Thank you, Monkey. Appreciate it. All right. Let me make sure that I didn't just do something awful here before we let our next caller in. Oh, God. I think we, I think we should be fine. What did you do? <laughs> uh, nothing. Well, all the callers that we had on hold uh, have dropped out. <laughs> Oh, God, like, you just hang up like, on all of them? <laughs> no, no. If you guys feel like calling back, no. uh, we would love to hear from you as we do have a little bit more time. And I'm looking back at the stream replay, and what I was concerned about was uh, was not an issue because oh. I am the best there ever was. Fantastic. I'm like <laughs> the Bucks. Oh, man, let's talk a little bit more about some of the offensive leaders for Tampa Bay today. Mike Evans, four catches for 87 yards. No touchdowns. They took one away from him that he probably should have had. 
He was but down at the one. He was, but I mean, he picked up what maybe 40 yards on that one reception by itself at the end of the game from Baker Mayfield. So aside from that, pretty slow day for Mike Evans. He would have finished somewhere around 40, 50 yards on the day. Kate Otten, his best game of his career. And it, again, it's a shame that a performance like this is completely overshadowed by losing six receptions, 71 yards and two touchdowns. For the second year, tight end, big number 88. Trey Palmer had three catches for 50 yards. Rashad White, we had mentioned, four catches for 46 yards. Chris Godwin, quiet day for him. Two catches for 16 yards. From the 626, you're on the air with the Can of Fire podcast. What's your name? What's up, guys? It's Richard from the West Coast. Richard from the West Coast. What's up, buddy? Ah. What's up? That's the that's what we should be asking Todd Bowles, man. What is up? How um I, I, I I'm gonna vent here guys. This is this is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Todd, Todd Bowles is a defensive coach, and how do you let your defense lose the game to you like that? It's 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 frustrating. At a time when the offense Finally put some points on the board. Um, granted, one of them was based on, on a turnover, right? Um, there, there's just so many things that, that Todd Bowles had just failed to do today. He got outcoached by another rookie offensive coordinator. That's. A- I mean, how do you guys feel about that? You know, it's a... Texans offensive coordinator is also a rookie, first-time play caller. We have an offensive coordinator, first-time first time play caller. Dude, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too, because when you look at the weapons, you know, I guess you could obviously say the Texans have a one-up in the quarterback category because even though he's a rookie, I mean, C.J. Stroud has proven that he can be a little bit more effective both through the air and on the ground than Baker Mayfield can maybe in this Buccaneers offensive system so far this year. So maybe they have a better quarterback. Maybe they have a little bit better offensive line. And clearly they have the better team after today. But what I'm getting at is coming into this game on paper, I didn't think the Texans were the better offense. And just like you had mentioned, Todd Bowles got completely outcoached in that second half, the way that this defense fell apart. I mean, they had mentioned the chess match between these two coaches, D'Amico Ryans, another young head coach for Houston. They mentioned the chess match between Todd Bowles and D'Amico Ryans, and it seemed like Todd Bowles was getting the upper hand in that first half. The Bucs were doing enough to win. They looked like a team capable of hanging on to that lead and playing the brand of football that had won them games before this season. Looked like they could have won. And uh, for one reason or another, they didn't. And and just like you said, Richard, I, I think what not a lot of people are talking about how not only did Bulls get out coached, but this is on the other sideline a first year play caller for Houston and a rookie quarterback. A damn good rookie yeah. quarterback, the best of the best of the rookie QBs, but regardless, a rookie quarterback. James, what are your thoughts on uh, you know, that matchup, Todd Bowles and the offensive coordinator for Houston today? Yeah, I mean, um what is there to say besides Bulls got out coached? Um you know, by, by Houston in the second half. Um, it's again, the defense didn't, the defense lost the bucks this game point blank. Simple as that. The defense lost this game. You have 39 points, rookie record to CJ Stroud. Look, I like CJ Stroud. He's a good young quarterback, but for Todd Bulls being a defensive guy for, you know, that being his main calling card, his defense sure didn't show up today. Um, and that's a big big issue is when that's supposed to be your head coach's calling card and they ain't getting it done. What does that say about the coaching staff? What does that say about your head coach? Not, not good things. I'll say that. So um, yeah, it's, it was bulls got embarrassed out there. Um, And yeah, I mean, basically it, it is what it is. Bulls got embarrassed out there. He got out coached and you know, wasn't a great look for bulls today. Richard, we got to get to the rest of these calls, but we appreciate yeah. you as always, buddy. Have a great rest of your day. Fire Todd Bowles, man. I'm on it. Have a good one. You heard it from the man himself. Let's get another caller in here from the 727. You're on the air with the Can of Fire podcast. What's your name? Uh, it's Tony. Hey, buddy. What's going on? 
Oh, not much, man. Just as frustrated as any other Bucks fan out there. I was uh, watching James's live stream, and uh, he needs to get that bravado uh, hot sauce for the next uh, live stream for sure. It, yeah, apparently I I need to. Basically, I just need to shoot my mouth or something. That's is that that that'll be spicy <laughs> enough. I think. <laughs> I, I just don't. Oh my god! I just I just don't get it, man. I mean, how I never thought I'd see the day where the Bucks could score thirty-seven points and lose a football game. I just I'm just at a loss. I, I as one of the previous callers said, I, I I'm just I'm I'm flabbergasted. I don't know. I'm just I I'm at a loss here. This is that's one, probably the worst loss I've ever I've ever had to deal with here. And I, I've been a Bucks fan for. Many, many years. My dad was season ticket holder since 76, you know, family, uh, longtime Bucks fans. And this, this loss hurts probably more than any loss that I can remember in a long time. So befuddled was the key word that was used. And, and that's flabbergasted is flabbergasted is another fantastic word. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got a whole <laughs> bunch of, we got a whole bunch of great terms today being tossed around, but just this confusing feeling that you're left with. Like you said, there's so much to take away from this game. Obviously, we're not going to be able to get to it all today on the show. But, I mean, unfortunately, not only are we going to be talking about a historically bad performance from the secondary, just an unraveling of this team in the second half, unlike anything they've showed us so far this year. But on top of all of that, we're going to have to hear from every single major media outlet how oh, man, good C.J. Stroud was... is. We're going to hear all week about how C.J. Stroud's the best rookie in the draft. And all of those things are true. But it's incredibly unfortunate yes. when they're talking about it and then showing highlights of him throwing for 500 passing yards against this Buccaneers secondary. Befuddling. It's, uh, it's, it's, very, um, it's very reminiscent. It seems like back in the day in the last decade when uh, all the records and all the ESPN highlights against the Bucks. It, it just, uh, it's going to be great. You know, there's just going to be endless highlight reels of CJ Stroud, just eating up our secondary uh, out there for a long time. And uh, that's all they're going to be talking about. I can't wait to see, uh, you know, those, those big primetime shows on ESPN. What's the, the big one that everybody talks about the big reaction show. First I'm blanking take. right now, but uh, yeah, get up. Yeah, get up, first take, yeah, undisputed, yeah, you know, all the ones. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I, I can't wait. So, what's it's, your final projection? You know, it, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, sorry. I just just to wrap up. Um, I, I, there's so many things. I think the reason why this is so frustrating is there's so many things that the Buccaneers have done well in this game. You could see the running game starting to come together. You could see, you know the flashes of, of exactly what Canales has been preaching all season long, like just, just hang with us, just hang with us. It's going to come together. And you saw it coming together in real time. And then the defense, it, it was like, what? The one thing that we had, the staple that has been carrying us uh, this whole season, it just completely fell apart. I just could not believe what I was seeing. So anyway, that's, that's my, my final take on that. All good, man. We appreciate you calling in, and we will talk to you again soon. Go Bucks! Thanks, big dog. All right, man. Go Bucks! Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah, that was my point earlier. Was was talking about? We got a couple more callers as well on hold. We will get to you guys here in a second. But just piggybacking onto that point about how the defense this year was the one thing that we could hang our hat on and be like, all right, we can trust them. We can, you know, we can we can expect these guys to to especially bend but not break because of the reputation that they had as the best red zone defense in the NFL, they, they may give up some yards. And boy, do they give up some yards today. But, you know, usually when push comes to shove, they've done a good job at keeping teams out of the end zone, which leads me to say this. They're going to learn today. On a post-game reaction podcast, just like this one, I, I do think with an emotional loss, call me crazy, but I do think people tend to overreact sometimes. Sure. And maybe this will be a cold take in a few weeks' time, but I do not think it will be. I think today's performance for the Buccaneers' defense, I, I think it was a fluke. I think it was an outlier. I don't think the Bucs are a better team than they showed today, but I think this is going to be the worst the defense looks all year. I, I think when the season is over, regardless of how many more games they win, regardless of how they win or lose those games, I think this one game is going to be looked at as the one week 
where things got completely out of hand for this Bucks defense. Do you think that's unreasonable? Yes. No, I'm joking. (laughs) I was waiting. I was waiting for you to give me a a breakdown as to why, you know, they're going to average 450 yards given up for the rest of the season. You're you're wrong. No, uh, I don't know, man. Like it read. Here's what I feel right now. And obviously, you know, like if it's going to be, I feel like just if it's not going to be one thing, it's going to be another thing, right? Where if it's not going to be the offense, it's going to be the defense. If it's not going to be the defense, it's going to be the offense. That's going to not be good enough, right? You're that's right. what winning be, be, that's that's what losing teams do. And and you're 100% right because the Bucks have not shown us otherwise this season. Yeah. We we've been talking about coulda woulda shoulda and for 7 of 8 games it's been about the offense. Today it was about the defense. And just like you said, just like we talked about, bad teams find ways to lose and and that is what the Bucks did today. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know, man. I I agree with you. Like, are they going to give up 450 passing yards every single game? No. If they do, then you can <laughs> definitely expect Todd Bowles to not last after this season. Oh, um, but uh, you know, we've seen them play good defense before up to this point. Um, so they can do it again. Is the point there? From the 561, thank you for holding. You're on the Cannon Fire podcast. What's your name? Uh, Cesar Rios. What's going on, man? Yeah, man, I've been a Bucks fan ever since, like, 2019. I'm, like, I'm only in middle school. I've never seen a loss this bad. I mean, Todd Bowles has to get fired. Like, I could have done a better job of coaching out there. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, there's a few losses that I can think of in the Tom Brady era that were not nearly as favorable. You know, losing 35-0 to zero on the road to San Francisco, and, and Brock Purdy in his first career start was pretty embarrassing. 38-3 uh, to three yeah. in 2020 against New Orleans. You know, that was a really, really tough game. It, what yeah. was so heartbreaking uh, about this one was just that the Bucks were competitive the, down to the end, and I think that's something that you can say yeah. well about this team, but... I mean, they they definitely broke down in a way that we have not seen in that second half, especially when they were winning for most of the game. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that was just a ridiculous loss. Um, I noticed we have a weakness to slot receivers, oddly enough. I don't know why. Carlton Davis is really slow. Yeah. I noticed he can't. He's getting beat deep a lot. So is Ryan Neal. He should be benched. Yeah, Ryan Neal, Ryan Neal, they they peeled him back a little bit today. We did see a little bit more of D Delaney in there at the safety position as he got mixed in, and that looked okay for the first half. And then ultimately things started to play out the way that they did. But we appreciate your call, buddy. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. All right, talk see you soon. Bye. He said, see you soon. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's get to our next caller. From the 813, thank you for holding. You're on the Canifier podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you guys doing? Good, man. How you doing? Doing well, man. BK here. Hey, uh, obviously, I'll follow you guys for forever, man. You guys are always doing a great job. Thank you for the platform. Uh, I just had a couple points, and hopefully some stuff that you guys hadn't addressed. Maybe I can just get your takes. Number one, uh, there was like a – I don't know if you guys were on Twitter, but there was this whole thing going about um, how Ryan Neal was supposed to be splitting time at safety uh, with, with D. Delaney. And then I didn't necessarily see or even feel the presence of that switch or back and forth being felt until he got burnt on the um, on that touchdown. So I'm wondering, was that real or was that you know just out there or, or what took so long for for that change to happen? Because I do feel like that was the start of a turning point. And I know we've been going crazy on the defense, and I kind of get it, but I, I really feel like to a certain degree that these guys have been busting their, their balls literally week after and week after and week after. And at some point, you know, in this league, you're going to get a game like this. Mm-hmm. But Carlton Davis, I've never – I haven't – I'm going back rookie year. I don't know if I've ever seen him have a game like this. And for a team that does have good players, but, you know, we have the names, we have the, the Hall of Famers, you know, future Hall of Famers. And to if, for guys like – a Chris Godwin to not get going on the offense, but to see, you know, a team like Houston be so successful, I think that is where a lot of at least my frustration is. So, yeah, what happened with the safety? 
you know, hopefully this is the worst we ever see Carlton Davis ever because I, I think he's a dog. We obviously just heard uh, Jamar Chase talk about him this week. Um, and then to put this on film right after is frustrating. And, and that's <laughs> – as a as a longtime follower of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know this as well as I do. That is the Bucks timing kicking in at its finest. You know, the week that one of the best wideouts in the NFL says that Carlton Davis is the best corner that he's ever played against is the one week that Carlton Davis looks like the worst quarter in the NFL. Literally. And I mean, and it's 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 there, and I just really feel like it, it matricled down, you know, just all the way down through the team. I just didn't see the fight in that third quarter after three and out, three and out, three and out from that offense for the defense. At what, As a fan, I'm saying, at what point do I break as a human if I'm playing defense for this team? You try to hang in there, you try to beat, but, I mean, bro, like, the offense has to do something. I just felt like the things that were successful in that first half, we absolutely got away from and was looking for that risk it, no biscuit, and, and it just didn't hold up. There were times where I felt like Baker should have ran the ball and he didn't. There were times where he threw the ball. I mean, where he uh, where he ran the ball, and I'm like, hey man, let's take a loss. This sounds over. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was just, just bad decision followed by bad decision. I don't think we lost that game on that final drive. I personally feel like we lost that game after halftime in that third quarter alone. I agree with a lot of the points that you made, and, and we'll break down all of them. BK, I believe this is. I don't want to say your last name, but you, we we went to the same high school, right? Yeah, Blake High School. Yeah, exactly. yep. man, BK has been fo- literally been following the show since I think like 2018, which was which was Absolutely. our second our second season of coverage. So I really appreciate the support and appreciate you calling in, man. We're gonna let you go, but we're gonna hammer out all those points you just brought up. Absolutely appreciate it. Appreciate it, buddy. From the eight one three. All right, so let's get into it. We got a lot to break down, courtesy uh, courtesy of our buddy BK. Fun fact about BK. He wasn't going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. Uh, alumni of Blake High School played touring saxophone for Prince. Yeah, he was he was in Prince's band for a couple of years. One of the greatest to ever do it. So really, really cool stuff. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that I am correct. Um, so let's get into it. We started to talk about the presence of Dee Delaney and Ryan Neal in the first half of this game and how it was reported I think I saw it first reported maybe an hour before the game that, you know, they had said that they're looking to get D Delaney some more snaps, maybe mix him in a little bit with Ryan Neal because eventually a change has got to be made. You know, Ryan Neal has been the worst player in the secondary for eight weeks. So hopefully this is a competent enough coaching staff to try and address the issue. And I think they did today because we did see D Delaney in the game a little bit, but of course, too little, too late. James, did you see D Delaney today? And and ultimately, what do you think went wrong there? Yeah, I mean, I saw him a couple of times in the game. Um, you know, it, it, I don't think D Delaney. He was um he was on the one play. There was a fumble recovery. Yeah. Um, from Antoine Phil Jr. and D Delaney was in on that play. Mm-hmm. Now I don't I don't have the snap counts. I don't know how often Delaney was in the game versus Ryan Neal, so I can't necessarily speak to that. I don't know. Um. To the point, Ryan Neal did get burned for a 75-yard touchdown that was not fun. Um, that made me have to spin a wheel at some point and do a <laughs> shot of Tapatio hot sauce and a lemon juice. And then later, I had to buy a Ryan Neal t-shirt that's oh, on the way. So, no. um, you know, it's there's a lot going on. He's but costing doing, you money. He's not he only is, he, costing you well-being, but he's costing you actual dollars. He is. And I think D. Delaney should just be the full-time starter at safety. Um, it's something that I've been wanting to see for the past couple of weeks now. Um, I just feel like it'd be a good thing. D. Delaney has two interceptions. I feel like he's just a better player than Ryan Neal at this the point. Fir- the first snap he was in the game was that forced fumble you had just talked about. That was the first snap that I saw D. Delaney today. Yeah, so I mean... I want to see more of D. Delaney. Maybe this is a tipping point of something that they're going to do. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, uh, that to, to that point, I do want to see more D Delaney. Yes, I agree. We'll take one more call here from three, five, two. You're on air with the can of fire podcast. What's your name? Hey man, it's David. David, what's up, dude? Hey man, not much. Hey, I'm just curious, Evan, you said earlier that the uh, defense is more of an outlier today. I was curious as how is that the case? Because the defense to me has been a problem this entire season, even going back to last year, the secondary mainly. Okay. Very uh Yeah. 
Very interesting. I'm, I'm waiting on Evan to answer this question. <laughs> well, Evan's not here today. Yeah, no, but... no Evan on the show today. But no, we'll... no, Evan. I'm sorry. Who, the, the other one. No, it's okay. It's uh, James. The other guy. It's our good it's buddy, James. James. My name is James. <laughs> no, it's all good. Go ahead, James. Yeah. I mean, for me, even just going back and looking at the score totals, right? This is the first game the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have allowed... Um, or, Sorry, not the first game, but you look... And they've held teams under 20 points throughout most games this year or 20 or lower, right? That's winning defense, in my opinion. Also, I understand the secondary has not been great this year, mainly Ryan Neal. But Antoine Field Jr., I think, has done a really good job in terms of guys kind of jumping off. You've seen Kalaja Kansi do some interesting things. Shaq Barrett's done some good stuff. Vita Vey has done some good stuff. Levante David's been fantastic this year, I think, overall. Um, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, they have certainly been not you know consistent this year in terms of what we can see but um i think overall the defense has done enough to keep the bucks in on most games and this is kind of something that that i was that we were talking about earlier where whenever it's the defense stepping up and playing well enough whenever you hold let's say the detroit lions to 20 points in week six you only score six points from the offense, whenever you hold the Atlanta Falcons to 16 points, you only score 13 points. Um, whenever you hold the Buffalo Bills, a very powerful offense to 24 points, you only get away with 18 points. Whenever you hold the Philadelphia Eagles to 25 points, you only score 11, you know? So it, it, it kind of, I think the defense personally has played well enough to win. You even take a look at their three wins. You held Minnesota to 17, you held Chicago to 17, you hold the Saints to nine. Um, the defense, in my opinion, has played some played well enough to keep the Buccaneers competitive in games. Whereas the reverse of what we saw today, the offense hasn't been able to pick it up. Today was a reverse of that situation. You let CJ Stroud break a rookie record in terms of passing. You let him throw five passing touchdowns and no interceptions. He did have the one fumble from Shaq Barrett, which was a good play. Um, but all in all, Stroud picked everybody apart. Um and yeah, I don't. I don't see how I don't see how Todd Bowles survives today after today. He'd be fired, honestly. I yeah, think today. And, yeah, and, you're and definitely I, you're definitely not the only person calling for his job today. I think he's going to be under a lot of fire this week, and a lot of people agree with you saying he, he should be fired. James, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I understand where people are coming from. It's an embar- It's it's an embarrassment from Todd Bowles today. Point blank, simple as that. Again, Horrible. like like what we said earlier, you're the defensive guy. Right. Like you are the defensive guy. You got promoted because your defense was, you know, fantastic and shut out Patrick Mahomes and the the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And whenever Bruce Arians suddenly retired, which I think was a he screwed the Bucks in that situation. Um, He did screw the Bucks. And I'll be honest with you, Rook. Let me say this. I think the Super Bowl was more of an outlier for the defense than what it was showing what the defense was. The Chiefs' offensive line was injured in that game. I'm not saying we don't win that game, but I think that was more of an outlier for the defense in that game than what it, than showing who they really were. And That's I totally, personal I, I, I totally get fan. what you mean. Just because the Bucks have had a history of having a secondary that's been awful. I mean, you can think back to literally maybe the last, you know, uh, above average secondary we had was in 2012 when when Darrell Revis made the Pro Bowl. But aside from that, there hasn't been a unit that has made a lot of people feel comfortable with this no, secondary. Secondary has been horrible. I would argue, though, the last two seasons, this secondary has been much better than the expectation was for a long time. And again, I do think we're kind of pulling teeth and, and getting a little tic-tac-y here when we start bringing up the differences between the defense this year and the defense of 2020. Because the, the, point of the, the point of the matter is, you know, more than half of the guys on that defense from 2020 are not here anymore. So this just this isn't the same defense. It's not the same players. They don't have the same tendencies. They don't have uh, the same traits. You know, they don't have the same uh, mistakes made week in and week out. Like it's it's a whole new animal. So I totally get what you mean. But I say today is an outlier for the defense because I think today was the single best offensive performance you're going to see from any team for the rest of the year against the Bucks defense. I don't think there's going to be another quarterback this season, knock on wood. I mean, it can't out. get much worse, to I, be I know. honest. I, I mean, it really can't, but I do not personally think there's going to be another QB this season who goes out and throws for 450 yards 
against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if they do, then I think this Bucs team has obviously ha- already lost like another three games in a row at that point. I, I don't have very high hopes for them uh, at-, at that point. But Dave, we appreciate your call, buddy, and we'll talk to you soon. We got to get to the next caller. Hi, man. Bye. See you. Go Bucks. Caller, you're on the air from the 304. We appreciate you holding for so long. What's your name? What's up, boys? Long time no chats. Jonathan Peter Crew. What's up, Jonathan Pewter uh, Pewter, Pewter Crew? Sorry, let me not butcher that. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, considering. I just wanted to make make something known that everybody is obvious. It's obvious, pretty much. It's the same shit, just a different weekend. And I basically posted that on an article on Peter Plank earlier this afternoon at halftime. And that's it's pretty much all it is. It's the same shit every weekend. Nothing changes. Bulls wants to patty cake and tell us the shit that he thinks we want to hear. And it just, just does not fix anything. I would not be surprised if come Black Monday he is fired. I think same shit, different weekend definitely applies in the Bucks finding ways to lose. Because, again, we just talked about for so long that if it's not one thing, it's the other with this team. If it's not the defense, it's the offense. If it's not the offense scoring enough points, then, you know, it's 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 bad running back play. If it's not the bad running back play, it's bad offensive line play. If it's none of that, then maybe Baker was bad. But this is the first time all year that we have seen the defense just collapse the way that it did But I agree, you know, when you are a bad team, you get used to consistently finding ways to lose. And that's got to be the most frustrating part of this Bucs team in 2023 is that with as much credit as we gave them and as much credit as we want to continue to give them, you've got a lot of talented players. But after this week, this is nothing more than a bad team with a couple of good players. And we've had a couple of people say that before as well. James, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's understandable to have that thought and opinion. I think at this point, right, you said something earlier where it's the idea of, look, like these are guys who have made plays in the past. We know the talent that's on this team. Do we? I mean, that, that was kind of the first thing that kind of came to my head, and it sucks to have that mindset. But like, how many times can you say, we know these guys can execute, they're just not executing right now, right? Exactly. And it's... And it's it's an interesting thought process to have where maybe some of these guys, I'm not saying obviously all of them, but maybe some of these guys aren't as good as we thought they were in, oh, in certain situations. Well, there is, you know, we, we talk about some of the things that have gone wrong with the Bucks this year, and there's a lot of underperformers on this roster. I'll call one out right now and say Shaq Barrett. I know he had the strip sack today, but Houston recovered, didn't end up being a play. It, it's okay. But where has he been as far as the pass rush goes? A part of the reason C.J. Stroud threw for 450 effing yards today is because of all the time he had in the pocket. Because of all the time that every quarterback has in the pocket every single week. Because Shaq Barrett can't get to the quarterback. Joe Tryon Shoyinka can't get to the quarterback. Apparently, Kalijah Kansi and Vita Vea are better at getting to the quarterback than some of these outside linebackers that we have stand up in this 3-4 scheme. So I really and, do think, and that's the not to cut you off, right? But that's the point. Like, it's sad when our defensive tackles and our nose tackles are getting to the quarterback over our edge rushers, and the edge rushers are supposed to be quicker, faster, thinner. You know, the whole concept. They're supposed to be able to get to the quarterback quicker, and it's sad when a four hundred pound defensive lineman can get to the quarterback quicker. You know what, guys, and I think we should do something about it. I think that we go down there to Tampa, go to one buck place, and all three of us put a helmet on, put some shoulder pads on, and go out there. Who's Listen, with me? I'm not I'm not I'll do I, don't, it. I don't think <laughs> yes. I don't think any of us are sitting here saying that we could go out there and do it better. That's not at all what I'm I am. Let's do it. <laughs> it's the it's the Tom Brady hoodie. It's got your it's got your ego blowed up. But at the end of the day, uh, not only do we talk about some of the underperformers on this team on both sides of the ball, but Todd Bowles as a head coach is running out of excuses. Um, you know, he has said for the last three weeks, well, we don't want these losses to snowball. And that's exactly what they have done, Todd. They have snowballed to the point where not only are people throwing in the towel on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2023 season, even though the division is still kind of within reach, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Bro, not in a, only are they throwing in the towel, not only are they calling for you to be fired, but, 
I mean, this team is just in free fall. It, it is it is the worst they have looked all year. You know, you can't say we don't want this to snowball and then lose four straight games. It just it doesn't work like that. And you're not going to be a head coach in the NFL for very long if that's what happens. But going back to my point earlier, I, I don't want to contradict myself because I say a lot of these things about Todd Bowles. And while it is true, I think he is running out of excuses my gut still just says he finds a way to weasel out of this season because I don't think the Glazers are ready to move on from him just yet, considering the situation he was just in. But I know a lot of people are pissed with him. I know a lot of people are calling for his job, and they have every right to feel that way, for sure. I think that this is, and I'm not trying to mix college with NFL, but this is starting to be a similar situation to the Florida Gators a couple of years ago where they, the uppers gave Dan Mullen the chance to fire his defensive coordinator who is making shitty calls. He refused to fire his best friend and ended up costing him this job. And this is where I feel like it's starting to get similar is because now he was given the promotion and Brady didn't want Arians here. He got a promotion. He was proved he couldn't do a head coaching job in New York. And now it's starting to seem like that's going to be a similar situation here. Where now they could possibly say the Glazers or Jason Light say, you need to make a change or we're going to do it for you. And that's basically how I feel like it is right now. It's He is not giving us, you know, he's supposed to be this defensive-minded person, but like, Where's the defense? Like, you can't – there's no accountability. It looks like Ryan Neal is constantly being beaten. Like I said, like you said, right, it's not the same team as a couple of years ago. But it's getting to the point to where things are snowballing no matter what you do. And he said, oh, we've had a good week of practice. Well, where the fuck is it during the game? Like, how do you not – put it in the game, show us what you're doing in the game during that good week of practice. And it's just like I said earlier, it's like he's just trying to tell us the shit that we want to hear. Oh, we're going to fix this. And it just does nothing about it. Yeah, it's a rough look. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Bucks bounce back. But, you know, if the Bucks were giving up 39, 40 points every single week, then again, I think it is a much more dire conversation about the defense. But I... I understand the reaction a lot of people have had today because I am I am pissed. Like, I'm disappointed. I'm embarrassed. I think a lot of people have officially reached the point in the season where you're looking at a 3-5 and five record, and we've been here before. Now, we have been here before all the way back in 2016 when the Bucks were 3-5, and five, and then all of a sudden that team woke up, won five games in a row, and they were 8-5 and five holding their postseason destiny in their hands. Uh, I, I will end it with this. You know, do I think the Bucs are going to go win five games in a row and end up eight and five? No, I don't. I think they're a worse team than that. But the NFC South, the door is still open. It is not completely closed. And I think I know, if the Bucs find a way. There is so many games that they could possibly just go on a winning streak and just get right back into this. And while we're trying, not trying to write it off as like he needs to be fired tomorrow, like that's it's a fireable, fireable offense right now because we're not seeing what we used to. We are slipping back into our old ways before Brady came along. We are slipping back into that mentality of, oh, we don't give a fuck. Penalties just go everywhere and all of that. It needs to get back on track, and Bowles needs to do something to put this team back on track or it's going to cost him his job. You are a reflection of your record in the NFL. The Buccaneers are 3-5, and five, so not a lot of good to be said there. But not only are you a reflection of your record, but you are a reflection of your head coach. And like you said, you know a lot of the problems the Bucs have trickle down from discipline. It, it, it's a lot of the penalties. Today was no exception. Eight more penalties today for the Bucs, who are the third most penalized team in the NFL, uh, tied for 29th, which I think probably changed after this game. Houston, one of the most penalized teams in the NFL as well, so today was a sloppy game for both teams. Um you know, but falling into that habit of of finding ways to lose, coming up with a loser's mentality is definitely a slippery slope because you've heard about the morale of the players in the locker room less and less these last couple of seasons because they said it on the broadcast today. There hasn't been any drama 
with this unit of players. I mean, you have a couple of guys like the Antonio Browns that come into your locker room every now and again and shake things up. But I, I do think eventually these next couple of weeks are going to be telling because if the Bucks continue to lose games and then you start to hear about Mike Evans getting angry after a loss or guys in the locker room disagreeing with each other or maybe speaking out and, and Todd Bowles losing the locker room, you know, that's a slippery slope in itself. I don't think we've reached the point yet where Bowles has lost the locker room, but he certainly has lost a lot of the fans and, and most people calling for him to be fired. Um, like I said, though, if they were giving up 40 points every single week, then I think this is the week that he's fired. But I think since they haven't been and the defense has been playing well enough to win games, I think that's what keeps him here a little bit longer. But, John, we appreciate your call, buddy. Any final thoughts before we let you go? No, I appreciate talking to you guys again. Good seeing you guys. All right, Thanks, buddy. Man. Good to hear good from one. you. So that'll do it for this week's post-game episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We truly appreciate everybody calling in. We always love to get your thoughts. James, final thoughts oh, on the 3-5 and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers before we wrap this thing up. Pain. So much pain. Look, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I said it at the beginning. Uh, this is what the team feels like right now, which is a team that just can't close out games, that can't win games, and... It's what it feels like right now. You lose four in a row. You said earlier that Todd Bowles said he doesn't want it to snowball. Well, they're in like a freaking blizzard right now. That's all it's done. Uh, It's an avalanche at this point. All it has done is continue to snowball ever since he made that comment three weeks ago. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest, Rhett, like a, a loss like this, we talked about this in the preview. They needed to win this game. They needed to. People may feel like this is overly pessimistic, but we may be strapping in for a long second half of the season for the Bucks. Do you have um, uh, do you have the list of opponents in front of you? They play the Tennessee Titans next, then they play the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. Um then they play hold on one moment. The Indianapolis Colts, the Carolina Panthers, the Falcons, the Packers, Jaguars, Saints and Panthers again. There are winnable games in there, but guess what folks? Falcons game was winnable. People thought that they, that was a game that they should win. People thought that this Texans game was a game that they should win. Didn't get it done. So that's kind of what I'm talking about whenever it's, man, this could be a long second half of the season. Um, and I don't mean to sound overly pessimistic. I'm just trying to say what I am seeing and what I might see moving forward based off of what we've seen the past month, which is losses. I don't think you're incorrect. Um, I will say this, though. I feel like Baker Mayfield's played good enough to stay with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so far up to this point throughout the first half of the year. Like, he's definitely going out there and trying. When this offense is good, or I'm sorry, when this offense is average, I'll say that. When this offense is average, when the run game is average, when the pass blocking is average, when the pass catchers are average, Baker finds a way to play well. I mean, he has had bad games. Do not get me wrong. I don't want to sit here and tell people that, you know, Baker is 110% the truth because the fact of the matter is some of the offensive shortcomings this year have to do with, one, him not being able to hit the deep ball. It happened again today. He did play really well today, but there were a couple of plays where points were left on the field because he couldn't hit Chris Godwin over the top or he couldn't hit Trey Palmer deep down the field. You know, there's a couple of plays that come to mind where, yes, he would like that back. And, yes, he could have been better. But just like you said, James, I think all in all, he has played well enough to potentially secure a second contract in Tampa Bay up until this point. Now, it could be a one-year contract, which sounds like the most likely option because there are still still a lot of question marks about where he is. But I, I think he's played well enough for this offense to certainly not be in as tough of a spot as they have been. There's been a lot of other factors around him that have ultimately led to his demise. But we got an interesting couple of weeks to figure it out. Hopefully a good week of practice ahead of us. We can count on Todd Bowles for giving us those so far this season. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bucks do from here on out. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's post-game episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you once again for everybody hanging out with us live on YouTube, all the new subscribers to the channel, and everyone who called in. We truly appreciate you guys. The next time we talk to you will be on Tuesday. We'll be joined with J.C. Allen from Sports Illustrated, breaking down all of the latest headlines and more. 
from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so far this 2023 season. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host at, uh, James on social media and YouTube at Mr. Bucks Nation, where he has got plenty of great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content and more. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter slash X at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. We'll talk to you on Tuesday with J.C. Allen from Sports Illustrated. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, James Hill. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening. Oh, and go box. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.